Welcome to Chapter 2 of Health System CIO's interview with Dr. Ansi Thomas, CIO at Episcopal Health Services. In this segment, we talk about the learning curve she faced as the new CIO, the critical role clinical leaders play in helping to shape the IT strategy, and why organizations must be willing to revisit and renegotiate priorities. And it seems like a really important part of that is setting and managing realistic expectations. Exactly. Maybe that's not an easy thing to do, I'm sure. No. <laughs> no. I don't know if I'm there, even there yet, but definitely after a year I can say we're better than we were. You know, I think it's a team effort. Having a diverse team I think is really key. Like I'm, I've leaned on my leadership team because they have such different experiences. They're like a microcosm of the expectations of leadership and the operational leads because they come from such different perspectives. I think us doing that first and kind of going through all of the objections that people might have are, is really helpful. Having clinical people on your leader, IT leadership team and also having really good technical folks who, who really understand technology at a really deep level, I think that's what makes us have a, a good approach to then when we meet with leadership because we can really understand where they're coming from. Right. Now, in terms of the EHR, at this point, do you have Meditech in the hospital? Yeah, we do. So we have Meditech and we have, and the outpatient practices in our clinics, we have Athena, which was a recent implementation, May of 2017. What version of Meditech is the hospital on? We are on 608, or 6X as it's known. Okay. Now, you talked about the work being done with data and with storage. For something like that, I would imagine that it really does help having people on the team, as you talked about, who are really kind of in the weeds or know that area right. very well. And is that something that you've definitely relied upon? Absolutely. I think one of the keys of being a good leader is admitting what you don't know, you know, and yeah. knowing where you need help. And I think uh, for me, that's something that I've been very open and honest about. You know, I've cut my teeth in a clinical environment. And even when I got into the IT department, I was more focused on the application side, as most CMIOs really do, because they focus their energy on meaningful use and all of the things needed with the EMR and, and those initiatives. So you really get to know the applications team very well. But I think as a CMIO, you don't really get that much exposure to operations or security, you know, or network. And so for me, that was one of my biggest learning curves as a CIO was to really surround myself with people who were passionate about operations, were passionate about network, and passionate about design and also the organization's mission. And we made some really good choices of bringing people here from larger organizations who had the perspective of what could happen, but then also understood the limitations of being in, in this type of organization, a small community hospital with limited financial resources and understanding, hey, what are the decisions we can make in year one, year two? year three, year four, and help us to break that out. So they, they were really key in um, explaining to me, if we invest in this first, we can do this year three, and helping me to understand that and helping me to then explain that to executive management. So there are so many benefits afforded to the institution doing it that way, I think, you know, and helping me to understand by moving to a different design of how we thought the organization should have its back end, you know, with the software a defined data center, that there would be the ability to quickly move workloads when required and if the hospital, for example, was impacted by extreme inclement weather. And that's something that's really, for us, very important. We're in a hurricane zone. We were impacted by Hurricane Sandy heavily. We had to move patients out of here. So that was really important to us because at that time when that happened, I want to say that was October of 2012, if I have the dates yeah. correct. <laughs> At that time, we were live with administrative portions of our, of our EHR, but we weren't live with physician documentation or computerized physician order entry. But had we been, 
with where our infrastructure was, we would have been completely unable to do anything. It was, in fact, that we were on paper that we were okay to come back, you know. And so that's something that's always been a part of our thought process, that we're in this area that's really can be impacted by extreme inclement weather. And so how do we make the best decisions to quickly move those workloads and also to have a a more robust virtual desktop environment, ability to cut costs with desktops and delivering services for more mobile workforce, which was something we talk about a lot, but we didn't know how to get there. You know, you don't just hand out a bunch of iPads and iPhones to everybody and say, go use them without understanding the security risks and all of the, the need for the secure infrastructure. So they were instrumental and for me to understand the steps needing to do that, the mobile device management steps we needed to take and securing access and multi-factor authentication, they really, really understood that stuff very well and helped me to understand, okay, so this is what we do in year one and maybe we can have this in year three. So that, that was really key, I think, surrounding myself with people who really got it and were passionate about it. Right. But then when it came to things like workflow, usability, I imagine that you were able to really draw from your strengths and and experience in the clinical side. (laughs) And I had two great nurses on my team that have worked here before. And I actually worked with them in clinical practice when I was a resident here. And so I've seen them on the floor. So it's just interesting how things evolve and change and how we all got interested in informatics and IT. So you know, as a physician and eventually as a CMIO, I think I was generally wary of all that expensive, shiny, latest technology that I would see being promoted by administration or IT to solve a problem. And my colleagues and I didn't think that problem even existed, (laughs) you know, so they're trying to convince us of a problem. And we're like, that's not the problem. And I would be so frustrated thinking, why don't they just fix things that are wrong with what we have already and stop adding this complexity? It seems like it's going to make it worse. And I think that collective groan, if you will, among the medical staff and the residents that occurred every time they, you know, there was a new piece of technology that was introduced, that's what really propelled my interest in informatics and helped me to get into thinking about how do you address this huge gap between how to create technology that positively affects day-to-day workflow or augment the patient experience. Those experiences of thinking like that, I think, really allows me to develop my critical thinking with my team around how the IT department should challenge every piece of technology, every purchase of technology as to whether it's going to really advance the strategic priorities. So we've created tools, and I'm sure many organizations have these tools, but we weren't doing it here. You know, we weren't really doing a good RFP process and vendor technology evaluation forms and forcing people to talk to us about the business case and doing post-monitoring of whether that technology actually did what we said it was going to do. We own that now. We started a committee to own business case of that product and whether the post-monitoring was really actually giving us that return on investment that everybody thought it was going to do. And And I think as a physician, that experience of critically thinking about that and really saying, does this really matter to the person that's actually using the product? I think that has been really constructive, I think, to our team, not just myself as somebody who's a physician. I think it's also the nurses that are also on our team. So adding to that. And our IT folks that we have on our leadership team, our director and manager of operations, our director of security, they hadn't really worked in that capacity with clinical leaders at the IT leadership level. They tell us all the time how helpful it is for them to then hear those critiques, those clinical critiques, and then be able to come back to us and say, well, what about this? Why don't we do it then this way? So I think that that's the most impactful way I think my experience has has helped this department. Right. It's an issue that, as you can imagine, comes up so much when we speak with CIOs is the lack of understanding Right. when it comes to what clinicians actually need from IT systems. Right. um, So you'd say that that really – communication is key and and setting up any kind of groups or committees you can to 
help Absol- Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think for myself, I have to be honest about, I don't know that many CIOs, CMIOs, you know, who are wearing this dual hat, I think it's very difficult. And so I would be lying if I would say that, yeah, I can do both. And I'm really doing a great job being a CIO slash CMIO. I think that there really is a separate role for a CMIO. And the reason I say that is because the amount of time and conversation, and like you mentioned, certain groups and committees that are required to really understand the evolving challenges that physicians have. In, in our current healthcare landscape, it really takes time to listen to people and understand them and, and really look at their workflow. Sometimes physicians and most clinicians aren't the best at articulating what their challenges are because right. there's so much technology and so many things in between that they know things aren't working for them, but they don't know how to articulate it. So sometimes just getting on the phone with them and hearing them talk isn't really helpful. Sometimes just standing with them and watching them go through screens and look at the way that they're fumbling through the mobile device technology we think is so fantastic that's really where the breakthrough happens because you really see, hey, this is really not the way that this technology should be working for this physician. That takes time and energy and investment. And sometimes as a CIO, your priorities are slightly different. So I definitely am happy that I have the background, but I do recognize that that role of really being engaged with physicians and hearing them out, it takes a lot of time and a lot of investment that sometimes as a CIO, you can't afford yourself that For myself, I know that because I have those connections and I work in the same hospital that I did as a resident, I have those relationships and thankfully those physicians, they'll call me on my cell phone and they'll they'll let me know (laughs) because they know who I am. So I, I really am fortunate to have not have to build trust all of a sudden coming to a new organization. That trust was there, you know, because I've worked with them for many, many, many years. So they're not shy. Right, because you don't always know before something's implemented, you don't know how it's going to affect them. Right, and you could do all the workflow mapping in the world and, mm-hmm. and, and really still miss something, you know, so it's so important for you to be connected and, and realize they also have jobs and they're taking care of patients and they're, they're stressed out about so many different things. Yeah. Their goal isn't to reach out to you when, when the technology is failing. That has to be something that you do. You go to them and you see what they're experiencing rather than expectations that they're going to be so vocal in telling you. So that's something that I think is really important for us to really be out there and, and, and hear from them. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good information. And going back a little bit to the long-term strategy, now as it stands at this point, is it five or ten-year plan where things are mapped out pretty specifically, or how does that work? Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I first started out, maybe that naive part of me was like, well, we can get this done in a year, right? (laughs) And and then I realized, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, just culture change in general. I think I understand it, but I I really understand how long it really takes to to change the culture of not just your smaller IT organization, but then the organization at a whole, you know. We have such a mixed, diverse group of people at our organization aren't very familiar with technology with people who are fantastic with technology. And Moving us all as one group to a more technologically advanced future, it takes time. You can't leave people behind because it doesn't work. And so for us, we definitely had a one-year strategic plan that we presented, and a lot of that was around initiatives mostly. You know, we said, here are the initiatives we're going to get accomplished this year. Um, A lot of it was around some of the services that we provided, making sure our help desk was responsive and and doing the things that a great help desk would do with service level agreements and making sure people understood. And 
around some regulatory projects and things we had to get up. Um, so those were what drove kind of the first year strategic plans. We wanted to get up nurse communication systems and get up a new brand new EKG system and update our OB environment and, and give them a more updated application. So to that end, we had some infrastructure strategic goals. And so we're in the middle of doing that. I think in the year two and year three, I, we do have some plans, but I think what I've learned is we need to reassess because the healthcare landscape and especially community hospitals, what their decisions are and how they're being funded and kind of all of that is changing so rapidly that I have learned that sometimes even planning for three years is not, is not adequate. You need to plan almost year by year, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and talk about well, what, what can we afford to do now? And the stuff that we signed quotes for and, and decided to do it even a year ago, is it still relevant anymore? Right. So that's, I guess, where we are. You know, we, we successfully implemented and embarked on the year one priorities. We're closing on them. And now year two and year three, I think we're renegotiating now with leadership and saying, these are our priorities based on what your strategic plan is, but are these still the things that you want to accomplish? So, Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's necessary to do it that way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that that covers what I wanted to speak about for now. I mean, I could certainly talk to you longer, but (laughs) really great perspective, especially in being a physician and stepping into this role that it's something that's still pretty rare. So I think that it's a really great perspective to get out there. So yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for your time. And I definitely want to uh, catch up with you again down the road, maybe in a year or so. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.